Well, it's always a bummer the day after the national championship game. You realize college football, it is over until August. The long off season begins now as we uh, patiently wait for OU's first season in the SEC. And, and what's funny, Parker, is today is January 9th, and the college football season for the 2023 year is officially over. But a year from now, January 9th of 2025, we'll just now be getting into the first semifinal matchup of the college football season. Really? The season is over today. In a year's time, it will be the Orange Bowl, the first of the four teams remaining. There will be a semifinal game one year from today. The other semifinal game will be in the Cotton Bowl a year from tomorrow, the national championship game in Atlanta on January 20th. So we got a lot longer season coming our way starting next year. Bring it, baby. Like it, love um, it, hate it. Just the, the thought of that. I mean, how can you hate it? How can you hate more football, Tyler? Find me anyone that hates more football. Text line, if you hate more football, please let us know. Please let us know. 405-651-3439. Please let us know if you think the college football season should end earlier as opposed to later. The playoffs will be a month long. Uh, first game of the playoff will be on December 20th, and the championship game will be on January 20th. Oh, boy. So, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, do I really want Oklahoma to make the playoffs? So, let's see. September, October, November, December, January. Five. If, if your team is playing in the national championship game, buddy, that's five straight months of college football next year. Holy smokes, bro. That is, there's going uh, to no, be no Christmas. No if Christmas. Makes the Sorry. Playoff, at least for us. Christmas is canceled. College football's decision. Christmas is canceled next year. At least hopefully. That means OU's playing in a uh, in a big-time bowl game. I love more college football. I am interested if we're going to love this 12-team format uh, a lot more than we love this four-team format. But I just wish, man, I wish the national championship game wasn't on a Monday night. And we talked about this in the final hour of the rush yesterday. You know, like it, it was still fun to go home last night and watch a national championship game. But come on, man. This sport is played on Saturdays. Can we get back to playing the national championship game on Saturdays? Because, like, the Super Bowl, it's like an event. It's a party. You have Super Bowl parties at your house. The national championship game for college football here recently has been, ah, you come home from work on a Monday and it's just a game that you watch uh, with your family at home. I, I don't, it's just not the big event that I think it could be. I'm sure it's because of ratings, Parker, but I don't know. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to the sport. I would like the biggest game of the year to be played on Saturdays, not on a Monday nights. Yeah, the championship game being on a Monday night is kind of stupid. The sooner we can fix that, the less issues we will have as a society. That I agree. It's the biggest issue if in society we, right now. If we want to solve the problems that our country has, folks, what you need not do is listen to the grifting politicians making their pitches for the office of commander-in-chief <laughs> throughout the course of the year. What you need to be doing is lobbying the NCAA, the TV networks, and the powers that be to move the college football playoff national championship game to Saturday. That is the first step to solving our nation's issues I and agree. healing our country. And, look, I mean, even Gunny agrees. If you have an opinion and Gunny agrees with it, doesn't that make you automatically right? Gunny says, no, it wasn't fun because some of us jack monkeys work on Monday nights. Ugh. See, they took the national championship game away from Gunny for crying out loud. Is this really what we want with our sport here moving forward? But as we were watching the football game last night, man, Michael Penix was just off, wasn't he? That was disappointing to see. 
Felt like in the second half, Washington was one big play away from getting in the game, tying the game, and then there was a terrible holding penalty that set them back behind the chains. I feel like the officiate. Michigan was the better team last sure. night, don't get me yeah. wrong. But I do feel like the officials um, stole a, a better finish from us. There, there's the no end. question about that. The first 50 minutes of that game were awesome, man, because there yeah. was that constant tension where you felt like, okay, Michigan has the upper hand. But Washington just stayed within striking distance. And having watched, having watched Washington all season, you knew at any given moment they could break that game open with a big play, pull even, and you had a completely new ball game. So you were just kind of sitting there on the edge of your seat waiting for Washington to come up with that big play down the field from Penix to Roma Dunze or Jalen Polk or Jalen McMillan, and it just didn't happen. Time and again. And then when it did happen, you had the holding penalty. I know. And Bogus. So first 50 minutes of that game were awesome, and then the last 10 minutes were kind of anticlimactic. Did you see the photo circulating on Twitter of the uh, the Husky drink specials, the Washington Husky-centered uh, drinks? Was that was that real? Did we all get trolled? Or like, If you didn't see this, I can't tell if this is at the game or if it was just like at a Washington – like a party before the national championship game. But there's just a big screen with a lot of drinks listed, okay? So they got the Poor Oregon, P-O-U-R, Oregon, and it's Tito's Soda Red Bull. They've got the Purple Rain, which is Tito's Soda and Crayon. They had the Sarkeesian, though. They had the Sarkeesian listed on the drink menu, which was Cherry Brandy, House Tequila, and Jaeger. Boy, it really sounds like Washington was trolling its former coach and his uh, his his old habits that he used to have. I don't I don't know how well that went over last night, but I did see that circulating the internet. Wow, interesting. I mean, may, maybe it was just their way of tipping their cap to him, and it was just in, it was just taken. <laughs> Boy, like, it, <laughs> yes. You look at that now, once social media gets a hold of that, you're like, obviously they're trying to troll Sarkeesian. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe the person that ori- that was the originator of that beverage was like, hmm, how do we pay tribute to Steve Sarkeesian? We'll name a drink after him. Because, like, that's a pretty reasonable a thing to do, A vodka drink, right? too, by the way, which was, well, there's a re- reason we have a texter named Sark's Vodka <laughs> on the text line, okay? I just saw that last night, and I'm like, all right, is that Tattoo Baker? That's not Tattoo Baker? Man, that, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's real. But, Wow. Uh, yeah, Nick says the officials reminder uh, reminded of the Big Twelve officials this year. Well, nobody got tackled in the end zone on a uh, on a pass play, but yeah, outside that wasn't great. Softball Steve says Penix met a defense that wouldn't go away. Michigan defense beat him up as he was limping and holding his ribs. He was hurting big time. Yeah, they did beat he him. About, up. He barely got off the field last night. I know, man. He he left it all out there. Tip of the cap to Michael Penix because he was he was a warrior hanging in that game for sixty minutes. It just it was a far cry from the performance that he turned in last week against Texas. Drew from Flower Man, I feel bad for number seventy three because he's probably getting so much hate, but he had a rough night. Michigan defensive line went crazy. I will say their defensive backs, Michigan, were holding a lot just like Michigan's offensive line. Guy from Parts Unknown says, Ditto Gunny, twelve point six hours yesterday, watched the last eight minutes. Ooh, ah, guy, you watched like the worst part of the football game last night. Essentially, guy turned on the uh, football game and it was it was over as as Michigan made the uh, made the late run there. Hmm. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the text line. And how about Jake Roberts committing during the game last night? 
We let off the show yesterday saying, well, now we wait. We're waiting for Jake Roberts. We're waiting for Casey Thompson. We're l- waiting for Hurd. Uh, we're waiting for a couple of other players in the portal as well, Casey Thompson included. We're just waiting at this point. And then one of them happens yesterday, Jake Roberts. One season of eligibility left. What's the immediate feel here for how much he can help out this offense next season? Well, I think the advantage that he has coming in is that he knows Seth Luttrell's system. And we have – I did an interview with Jake in advance of his commitment that dropped last night over on the OU Insider YouTube channel. If you haven't checked that out, it's worth a watch. He discussed very candidly a lot of topics surrounding his commitment, the multi-time transfer rule, his familiarity with Seth Luttrell, how much Luttrell means to him, all that good stuff. But he talked about – his familiarity with the scheme that he's getting himself into at Oklahoma, that he's getting ready to execute with his last year of collegiate eligibility. And he's of the opinion, and I certainly am too, that that gives him a leg up on the competition. Now, obviously, Devon Mitchell is the sure. biggest alien in that room just as far as sheer athleticism And that's goes. not going to change. That's, that's not going to change. But I think when you look at that tight end room as a whole – There's a lot to like about the pieces there as far as the diversity within the group because you have a guy that can stretch the field in Caden Helms. You have a guy that probably projects as more of a blocking first dude but can show some athleticism in the open field and make plays in Bauer Sharp. Right, you got Jake Roberts, a do-it-all tight end who is highly experienced. You've got a young athletic up-and-comer in Caden McIntyre. And then you have the freak coming in as a true freshman in Devon Mitchell. So there's going to be a lot of healthy competition in that room. And if nothing else, what Jake Roberts is going to be able to bring as somebody that knows the scheme, knows the system, and is familiar with everything that the Sooners are going to be doing offensively is even if he doesn't play a huge role, and I think he can certainly, but even if he doesn't play a huge on-field role in 2024 – as far as helping to shape those younger guys and accelerate their learning process with all of the nuances of Latrell's offense, man, he's going to be huge. Um, I in no way am, am saying that tight end is should be thought of as a strength next year. I, I, I don't. No, no one's going to say that right now. I do think the position though was just interesting because of all the all the names you just mentioned and how you know Roberts is kind of looked at maybe the. Like, maybe immediately to start the year next year, he's your starter. Devon Mitchell is truly the future, most likely, of that position. If Caden Helms is healthy, what does that look like? Bauer Sharp, there were some interesting things when he was at Southeastern Louisiana. What, What can you do with that? So you just have a lot of interesting pieces at tight end. And what can you really get out of that? Especially when we're talking about the middle towards the end part of the season. Is Devon Mitchell going to be a day one starter? I mean, he'll have a chance, but I think the tight end position could look drastically different in week 10 versus, sure. you know, week one. Yeah. I just, I think a lot of things are going to happen throughout the year at the tight end spot. And I would say Jake Roberts probably starts the season as your starter. At I, tight end. I agree. And yeah. You know what? If one of those younger guys proves that they have the tools and the comfort level in that offense to earn a larger share of the snaps, okay, well, maybe that happens throughout the year. But because of the experience, because of the familiarity, and because of the leadership that he's going to bring to that tight end room, 
I would bank on Jake Roberts being your week one starter at tight end. So when we talk about Jake Roberts, who do then we talk who do we talk about next? His little brother Nate Roberts as well. There you go. Here here's my here's my only question about that that whole recruitment. Okay. And we've talked now for a week ever since Jake Roberts has been in the portal. Hey! This can only this can only help your chances with the elite twenty twenty five tight end, but let's just let's just say that Devon Mitchell has the year that we're all hoping that he has. Okay, Devon Mitchell maybe doesn't start game one as the starter, but by the end of the year, we're saying, "Wow, he was really good as a freshman, a legitimate threat within this offense." It's clear that Devon Mitchell going into his sophomore year. He is the future of that position. He is your number one tight end. There's no question about it. He had an awesome freshman season. In any way, would that be a negative when it comes to the impact of Nate Roberts' recruitment? No, I don't think no, so. N- not at all. No. Nate Roberts, it doesn't matter what doesn't matter what, uh, what, what uh, Devon Mitchell will do this year. He'll, no, he'll still commit. At the end of the day... I. I think back to the interview I did a while back with Brendan Zerbrug, Oklahoma's second quarterback take in the 2024 class. And I think his mindset is one that folks don't realize a lot of young athletes have. There are many who don't, but there are many that do have this mindset. Look, I'm going to face competition wherever I go. I'm not going to be the guy at a position wherever I go. No matter where I choose to play my college football, I'm going to have to go and earn it. Now, I think that's the mindset that Nate Roberts has. I think that's the mindset that anybody that Oklahoma is recruiting has to have, right? Because if the competition is what turns you off, if you don't want to pick a certain school because you think you're going to have to work harder to see the field than you would somewhere else, well, then flat out, Tyler, you're not picking that school for the right reason. Sure. No, I I agree. Um, Man, that'd be a mean (laughs) tight end room moving forward. You end up getting – uh, Nate Roberts, and we'll, we'll see what else happens with the other tight ends that you have on the roster this year. 405-651-3439 is the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Dang, we got a ton of text to get to. We'll get to that. The latest on Zalance heard a five-star wide receiver in the 25 class is going to be visiting OU this month. We'll tell you about that as well right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and yes, you, the ref army as well. Listening via the KREF app. Dennis, Massachusetts is tuned in today. Charlotte, North Carolina. Rockin' California. Wichita Falls, Texas. Memphis, Tennessee. Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Our small town of the day is Ninicaw, Oklahoma. Thank you to all of you that have downloaded and listened every single day via the KREF app. If you haven't, just go to the app store, search KREF. You can listen to the ref wherever you're at on the go. John and Blanchard says, heard going to Ole Miss this weekend? Ole Miss site is saying this. Do we have the source wars, though, like we had yesterday? <laughs> I was is one say, Ole Miss saying that he's some, coming here and the other one's like, no, nah, no, he's not. We had some major source wars on the Ole Miss side uh, yesterday on this show, or happening during this show, I suppose. But, yeah, look, if – if Zalance Heard ends up taking a visit to Ole Miss, there is really no other way you can approach it other than to be very skeptical immediately that Oklahoma can pull this off. Correct. Right? Because Lane Kiffin has owned the portal this cycle. And the portal has giveth and taketh away. 
when you look at Quinshawn Judkins' departure. But <laughs> Ole Miss got Walter Nolan. Trust me, anybody that understands what Walter Nolan is about and just how much money it took to even get at the get a seat at the table with Walter Nolan, you understand at that point the lengths to which Ole Miss is willing to go to try and set themselves up for a national championship run in 2024. So I am comfortable saying that if Zalance Hurd ends up visiting Ole Miss, I don't necessarily kiss it goodbye. But it would have been a week uh, since optimism, he visited here and he goes to Ole Miss. Optimism sure. should be tempered in a major way. Has he only visited OU in Tennessee thus far? Yes. Okay. So as of yesterday, it was OU, it was Ole Miss, and it was Tennessee. We are not eliminating OU. We're definitely not eliminating Ole Miss. Are we subtracting anyone from the equation, Tennessee, or adding anyone to the conversation? Or is it... Is it still like it was yesterday? Is it OU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee? The most likely for uh, for Hurd? As of right now, I would say OU is the most likely. No, I'm just saying like um, in terms of the teams that are in this thing. Is it just OU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee? Yes. Yes. No, And, and no one subtracted from yesterday. And really, no. that would be Tennessee if anyone was. Exactly. I, I give OU the slight edge over Tennessee right now, but if that Ole Miss visit happens... <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be tough. Probably most likely. Yeah, that's and and here's the thing about the SEC too, and you really didn't deal with it as much in the Big Twelve in terms of the caliber of player that you were going after. Like, think of it this way, Parker. Like recently, if you are in a transfer portal battle with two SEC schools and you lose out. All right, well, that stinks, but you kind of you kind of move on, right? Like, but that guy wasn't really thinking about Iowa State or thinking about Texas Tech, someone that was on your schedule next year. Uh, here's another thing about being in the SEC and those schools is that you may not only lose out on a kid, but may have to play him one or two more times yep. throughout the rest of his career. Yep. You're going to fall into that situation a little bit more than the uh, the conference you just came from. Yeah, heck, you're going to see Caden Green ten months from now. And, yeah, and in recruiting as well. That's that's going to be the case too. You know, yeah, hasn't really been a lot. Of, like there will be many many Saturdays in the future where it doesn't matter who OU's playing, you'll watch some LSU Tiger or Georgia Bulldog or Auburn Tiger or Arkansas Razorback score a touchdown against Oklahoma and go, ha! I remember that guy. He had a flat tire when he was supposed to make a visit up here. I, I remember that. Hopefully that doesn't happen. A again. listener in the 405 says, is lame Kiffin that big of a closer once a kid gets in his presence? It, look, I'm not – this is not a novel observation. He just shoots should, a money gun at him. It's, not, it, it's much less about lame Kiffin and much more about the dough that Ole Miss can shell out. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, of course. Uh, this says, hey, this is Sooner of a Gun. Sooner of a Gun. We are on KREF every weekday out here in Payne, Oklahoma. There we go, baby. What's up, Sooner of a Gun? Good to, good to hear from you. Um, is Ole Miss sources simply trust me, bro, at this point? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the way it's going with their with their two sites at this point. But Zalance heard that's – I mean, that's kind of where we're at now. It, it almost in some ways – feels like a lot of these recruitments that we talk about is, all right, well, there's some reasons to be optimistic, but if this visit does or doesn't happen this weekend, 
then it's going to go a long way in telling us how this one is going to to work out in the end. That's kind of that's how I feel on Tuesday about Zalance Hurd. We'll see if an Ole Miss visit ha- happens or not. If he does, then well, probably going to go to Ole Miss. If he doesn't, then feel like you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that fair enough, right? No question Just about kinda that. Just kind of leave it at that. Recruiting hmm. Boomer, formerly the Recruiting Doomer, asks, "Why TF?" Can't we throw some dang dollars to get us one? Well, yeah, why can't they? Why can't they throw some dollars at Well, it? recruiting boomer, the Sooners do throw some dollars. They do. As a matter of fact, every single scholarship player on OU's roster gets paid via NIL, which that is not the case at every school across the country. OU takes care of their dues. But what the Sooners are not going to do is overpay. And this was a conversation we had when Chris McClellan chose Missouri, right? Missouri was willing to overpay. They were willing to go above and beyond market value for a player of Chris McClellan's caliber. That is not something that OU is going to do because, again, you look at Ole Miss, what happens when you bring in a Walter Nolan, for instance, and you already have a stud on your roster in Quinshawn Judkins that wants to know, okay, why is this guy getting paid substantially more than me? when he has done much less at the collegiate level than I have. And then next thing you know, he's out the door looking for another landing spot. So it's not good for your organizational culture to have a dynamic like that. Oklahoma and their staff realizes that, and they are competitive in the NIL space, and the guys that are on the roster, they get taken care of. But they're not going to go spend $800,000 on a single player. They're just not. Nor do I think you would want them to just massively overpay for someone like that because word gets around in the locker room, hard to keep everyone happy, hard to kind of operate with the culture that you want if you're paying $800,000 for a player that ain't nearly worth that. But like, And, and we talked about it yesterday on The Rush, man. I, I don't know what the thought is out there, but OU's active in the NIL. Don't, don't think that OU's not active in the NIL or they're poor or they're broke or they don't have any money to the spend or they refuse it. No, they'll, they'll spend money. They're just not going to overpay for like some of these schools out there. They'll give you a fair price, and if you get here and you're a star, then you can earn a lot of money. Uh, ask Danny Stutzman. I bet Danny Stutzman had a really good earning year last year, especially with those T-shirt sales. A lot of people got those for Christmas. Jay and Tulsa wants to know, hey, Parker, who is Mississippi's main cash flow benefactor? Any idea? Well, we found out on this show yesterday, apparently it's the Real Tree camo guy. Yep. Whoever that is. I didn't even know that Real Tree was a camo I guy. heard that yesterday. I was like, camo! It's camo! You and Steely doesn't sound like you're wearing camo anytime soon. No. Maybe no, we'll get camo well, maybe we'll get camo K-Ref pullovers at, at some point. Okay. I've got the gray one on today. I seriously doubt that we'll get camo K-Ref pullovers. Especially since Realtree is funneling all the money towards Ole Miss right now. So what what do we have? Realtree, Boycott, Bucky's, because that's going to Texas A&M. We need to find all of the the, the companies out there supporting uh, SEC NILs and uh, put them on the not buy list. That's what that's what needs to happen. Bucky's and Realtree so far. I'm sorry, I'm going to continue to patronize Bucky's, and I will have no shame in doing so. Jeez, because look, Texas Part A&M problem. isn't Texas A&M isn't winning, Tyler. My investment isn't making a whole lot of a difference down there in College Station, now is it? They're not any less annoying, though. No matter how much they're they're not winning right now. Well, they'll never be less. That's annoying. true. Uh, Five star wide receiver visiting this month in the 2025 class, and. You know, it just doesn't feel like a lot is going on in the 24 and 25 class, though you do have a 
uh, top five class for 2025. Caleb Cunningham will be visiting OU on January 27th. He'll be visiting Auburn on January 20th and Florida on February 3rd. Not a whole lot of wide receiver spots left in that 25 class. We've there been saying that for one. We've been saying that for four or five months now, right? There is one wide receiver. You spot take right. Caleb Cunningham, a five-star wide receiver, if he uh, if he wants to commit. Yep, and look right now. Oklahoma is kind of waiting on Isaiah Mosey before they make any major moves with other wide receivers in the cycle because, obviously, like, Mosey wants to commit by spring. And so that's really not all that long to wait in the grand scheme of things. There are going to be plenty of high-caliber wide receivers that are still on the open market by April or May that you could turn up the heat on if that one doesn't go your way. But I think it goes without saying, if a five-star wants to jump on board – you do not tell the five star, "Hey, no, we're gonna we're gonna wait on this other guy before we decide whether we want to take you or not." If Caleb Cunningham wants to show up to Oklahoma and commit, which look, I think that's unlikely. I don't think the kid ends up at Oklahoma at least right now. It's a long way to the finish line, but i I don't think I don't think he's a sooner. If he wants to jump on board, though, oh, you will take him all Absolutely. day long. Heck yeah, and turn why would five star? Yeah, take take that all, all day. And, and OU can be very selective here if they want to because there's only one spot left for a wide receiver in the 25 class. So if they have to wait it out with Isaiah Mosey, if they have to wait it out with Caleb Cunningham, well, they're in a position where they, they can do that based on some of the other numbers and some of the really good players that they have for the 25 class at wide receiver, including the number one player in the state of Oklahoma for 2025. Uh, Peyton says also... Have you talked about our recent sky is falling moment? Our on-campus recruiting director Lee Davis is leaving. Have not brought that up, but best of luck to Lee Davis. Have no idea where she's going, but best of luck to her. She got a better job. That much I know. Okay, uh, and I'm sure that'll be announced here shortly. But she got a better job. It's one that you can understand her leaving for. And look, end of the day, Oklahoma's going to find somebody to take her place that I have no doubt will be highly capable. And they'll continue to keep the machine whirring. Tito supports Texas on the text line. Uh, the Tui family and their Taco Bell money. We know that from the movie The Blind Side. So just, just coming up with some uh, some businesses right now that support other SEC organizations. We're just making a list. That's all. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More Cruton, more Transfer Portal next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. There's some national happenings going on in the sport of college football and in the transfer portal. Tackett Curtis commits to Wisconsin. Big get for Luke Fickle and the Badgers. Tackett Curtis is going to be a uh, really good linebacker, maybe as soon as next year, potentially. You've got Eli Drinkwitz. You see what Drink's new contract is? How much he's going to make next year? I think he's a top five paid SEC coach. Drink's going to be making $9 million next year in Columbia. $9 million for Eli Drinkwitz. Five-year, $46 million uh, deal for, for Drink. Bruh. They wanted to fire him last year, and now they're going to pay him $9 million next year. We'll see how that works out for him. Quinshawn Judkins committed to Ohio State last night, two minutes after the national championship game. I don't think Michigan really <laughs> cared all that much that Judkins committed to Ohio State just after Michigan won the national title. Just, just a thought there. They just won a national championship. 
Will Howard's the quarterback at Ohio State. Maybe that works out a lot better than I'm thinking, but I'm sure Michigan is feeling just fine with uh, with where they're at right now. 405-651-3439 is the text line. Adam from Austin says, Wonder how Ohio State is going to keep Henderson happy if they are paying Judkins. He, um, he apparently is deciding between coming back and going to the NFL draft. And I don't know which way he's already leaning. eligible. Wow. Yeah, I saw a list today that had draft eligible players still like mulling over their decisions. They had Quinn Ewers on that list, and their prediction is he will enter the twenty four NFL draft. Okay. All right. Best of luck to more this power guy to you, Quinn, in this quarterback heavy draft class. I mean, okay, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. As an Oklahoma fan, do you want Quinn Ewers to enter the draft? That is a question for you. That is a question for the text line. Would you rather face Quinn Ewers next year in the Red River Showdown or Arch Manning? Now, a good rule of thumb, and and how many times, well, I I guess we talk about it every single year, the week of OU Texas when there's a first-year starter in the Cotton Bowl, but historically, a first-time starter in that game does not fare well. So that side would lean towards, well, I'd rather face Arch in his second year. You know, for, for, there have been some OU quarterbacks that have won their first time in that game, but for the most part, you, you, you kind of struggle your first start there. I don't care. I'm throwing that stat out the window. Even I don't care what history says. I'll take on Quinn Ewers next year all day long and not think twice about it. I don't think that he's exceptional, and especially when he's losing his best running back his three best receivers, and the best tight end they've had in a while, I'd absolutely take my chances against Texas against Quinn Ewers next year. So what I hear you saying is you're worried that Arch is elite. Not even that. No, I just don't don't think – I think Quinn Ewers is – I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I I definitely don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think that he's special and can carry a team to a 10-win season. I I just – I don't see that out of that guy. Chapstick says Arch – no idea what goods he's got. Tulsa Boomer says Manning without a doubt. Uh, 909 says Ewers is better than Manning, not close. What, which way would you lean? Would you rather see Quinn Ewers I, or I, would you rather see Arch? I want to see Quinn leave because I want Arch versus JFA. That would be a massive, massive story. I want for two sure. years of Arch versus JFA, and that only happens It's if the Quinn more Ewers fun storyline. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Jackson Arnold versus Arch Manning. First year in the in the SEC in that game, it's the better storyline without question. I just think, I mean, Quinn Ewers, what he turned the ball over three times in that game this year. I don't. I just. I don't. I'm not. I'm not scared of that guy. A four or five listener says they are both average. Quinn loses everyone that made him look good. Manning still playing with his name, no proof. A two one four listener says Ewers wasn't terrible. He will only get better. There's a reason Texas isn't telling him to move on with Manning. He's not terrible. You're right. He will only get better. Well, maybe. I. I, I mean, are, are we sure about that? I. Like, maybe he gets better. How much better is he realistically going to get next year? And again, I'll just go back to this point. How much better is he really going to be without Ad Mitchell, without Xavier Worthy, without Jordan Woodington, without JT Sanders. You get the point there. Texas isn't going to have a bunch of bums at wide receiver, but they're not going to have that that skill group around him next year. Cherokee Sooner says, I want to see Ethan Downs staring down at Arch after a strip sack fumble. <laughs> the, the hate for Arch will be, it, okay, 
And I'll give you this one, too. Who would be more fun to beat next year? Would Quinn Ewers be more fun to beat next year? Or would Arch Manning be more fun to beat next year? Of course it's Arch as well. It would be more really? fun. For, really? I think for OU fans as a whole, yes. It would be more fun to get a win over Arch Manning than it would for Quinn Ewers next season. Yeah, I think so. Just with that whole storyline that's there and how much we talked about him not being the number one overall player even when he was uh, a senior in high school in New Orleans. It'll be, it would be a lot of fun to, to beat Arch Manning. I just – and look, it's uh, – any and all bias aside, I just have never understood the Quinn Ewers hype, man. Like, what does he do that is special? I don't know. He is. I, I, I don't. I don't think there is an answer to that. He has a highly average skill set when you think about Power Five quarterbacks and what they're expected to be able to do. And as we saw this year in the Red River Showdown, well, I guess last year now, shoot, it's twenty twenty four. But Correct. this past season, what you saw is the second you get pressure on him, the second you make him go off script, he gets very erratic. Yep. Yeah. 100%. No, no. Quinn is Sam Ellinger 2.0. Quinn over Arch. Uh, Stillwater Sooner says Arch is working on his mullet to properly follow in Quinn's footsteps. 909, all we have from Arch is his crappy high school highlights, which are not that impressive. Uh, this one from the 817 already beat Ewers. Drew from Flower Mound says Quinn Ewers and JFA, the two quarterbacks with girlfriends. Uh, I just lost it. In He's- the same sorority. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> interesting. This 918 listener says, Arch 100%, and I'm not terribly impressed with Quinn. I could be way wrong, but I've never seen anything impressive about Arch beyond his size and last name. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Local Ohio says, just hopped into Quinn Declare. No. No, we're, there, we're there was an about- article that said they were predicting that he would declare for, for the draft. What do you think? You think he, you think he comes back to Texas, or do you think he goes to the league? By the way, they predicted that J.J. McCarthy would return to Michigan next year. I think, I think J.J. McCarthy's gone, but I, I actually think Quinn Ewers comes back. I would flip him as well. I, I think yeah. J.J. McCarthy gone. I think, um, I think Quinn Ewers comes back to Texas next year. Does he finish the season as the starting quarterback at Texas? Well, that's a whole other topic for a, for a whole other segment. John and Blanchard says, can't even believe this is, this is a discussion. Arch versus JFA will be awesome. It will be awesome. It'll be an outstanding be weekend awesome. to confirm or disprove a ton of narratives surrounding that 2023 quarterback class. By the way, another offseason where uh, OU and Texas are looked at a little bit differently going into a season. The day after the national championship game is what? It's way too early rankings for the next year. Everyone's got their way too early rankings for next year, yeah, right? It's like if, if you're acknowledging that it's way too early, why are you doing them? ESPN has OU at 15 way too early. On3 has OU at 12 way too early. The Athletic has OU at 15 way too early. Two of those sites, two of the three, have Texas at number two way too early for next year. Bruh, we're uh-uh. doing this again, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're all in this time around, buddy. Buckle up this offseason. You know exactly what you're going to get. National championship picks and, and everything. Texas is back. You heard it on ESPN on three in the athletic. Oh, boy. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More college football next right here on The Ref.
Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. Their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone, and their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. That's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. No, the hiring of Zach Alley is not official yet. You also shouldn't worry about that. Um... He's been a Norman. That will be made public or official, I'm sure, at some point this week. But have your thoughts at all changed on the hiring of Zach Alley since it was first reported last week? And, no. I, and I'm not saying that I disliked the hire at the time. I didn't. Actually, I think the more that I find out about this guy, maybe the more I like this hire because of, of his familiarity with the defense. I, I think the question, at least for this show, is what kind of a recruiter is he? And we're really not going to know that, but I think the initial success or how people feel about him in the beginning is what kind of linebacker talent, what kind of defensive talent can he help OU get in the 25 class and beyond? So I, the, the recruiting side of things is going to be a big part of this hire. Yeah, no question about that. And we don't have a ton of context for how Zach Alley is going to be as a recruiter, right? Because he's going to be recruiting a different caliber of player than he has ever recruited before. And, I mean, as far as his background, as far as what recruits think of him, look, the reality is the guys that he has recruited in the past at places like Jacksonville State and Louisiana Monroe, generally not a guy, not a lot of guys that are getting attention nationally, doing a ton of interviews, giving insight on what he's like as a recruiter. So that is going to be the big question moving forward with Zach Alley over the next few months. It'll be kind of like Emmett Jones, right? It'll be until his first season until we know what type of coach he is. But I think we'll find out pretty quickly what kind of returns he will have on the recruiting trail. And if he's anything like Brent Venables, and and certainly if he is as similar to Brent Venables as everything and everyone has seemed to indicate, then I would imagine the returns are going to be pretty strong. From the 918 on the text line, Texas is losing too much for me to believe they should be top five. And there's a lot of teams out there. Um, it's college football. Uh, everyone's losing some players. Everyone's gaining something in recruiting and in the portal. And Texas has another great recruiting class. And they got some names in the portal. But I- I'm kind of with that texture as well. I just Texas is just losing way too much for me to label them as a top five team today. And we'll see what happens with Quinn Ewers, whether he decides to come back or, or not. But regardless of what that decision is, Parker, I just I don't view... I view Texas as a good team next year. I don't view them as a top five. And they're going to have a tougher time in the SEC, too. And much has been made about how much more difficult things are going to be for Oklahoma. Well, the same is true for Texas, right? They're making the exact same transition, and they're losing a lot more amidst that transition. So the fact that some of these publications have Texas as the preseason number two. Number two team behind Georgia. Yep. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm stupid. I could be, but it seems a little overly optimistic to me. Uh, Clinton Tulsa says, Ewers, been there, done that. I want to see PJ get home in Manning's face. Ooh, PJ gets to Arch Manning, and they pan the Texas sideline, and Eli Manning is giving the Eli Manning face <laughs> once Arch Manning gets sacked. How about that visual, huh? Think that would make its rounds on the internet? Oh, I bet I it would. It. I love it. The Manning face. 
that would be that would be sweet. Sooner Smitty says, I'm more interested in what kind of defensive play caller is he? Talking about Zach Galley. Well, yeah, I, I, again, I, I st- <laughs> this is going to be Brent Venable's defense. And not that Zach Galley won't get the freedom to call some plays, but I, I still think, Parker, if there's a play that's called or a certain coverage that's called and it's not to the liking of the head coach, well, I, th- I think that that's going to get vetoed. So Zach Galley's a defensive coordinator. Maybe even playing uh, or be calling plays for the defense next year, but Britt Vittable gets the he gets the final say on everything, including the linebackers. And that's that's not gonna change. Five star Randy says if OU and Texas do very well next season, is the narrative going to be that the SEC isn't as good now that it has expanded? Oh boy. I hadn't even considered that. I'm sure that'll be something that gets floated at some point by some talking head. I mean, national pundits can come up with bizarre angles to every. Like, did you see Emmanuel Acho saying the other day the Bears shouldn't trade the number one pick for a bunch of draft picks and should instead draft Caleb Williams because if they acquired a bunch of draft picks, they'd have more opportunities to whiff with those draft picks? <laughs> What a slap I, into the face of the dude, Bears organization. Oh, man. And I saw somebody on Twitter say, this might be the worst argument I've seen ever about anything. We don't want more players because it's just more opportunities to be wrong about these players. That's awesome. Or to misevaluate them. Nine one eight, Texas at Michigan, a loss. I would uh, I would agree with that right now. Sharon Moore, Jim Harbaugh, whoever. I think uh, Texas probably loses in Ann Arbor. Week two, I think. Week two of the season next year. Uh, The Rush is coming up next. Bob Stoops joins us at 320. Keep it locked on the ref.